This week on Kettle of Fish, poet and rapper B. Squid stops by to talk about conquering the world one rhyme at a time. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the fun, no politics, laughter show, where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring, podcasting captain of the airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my hip-hop, hippity-hoppity to my hip-hop-hop and she don't stop producer, <laughs> the magnificent Maven Domestic. Oh, D. that's funny. That's really cute. Um, yes. and The public enemy number one. That's right. And really quick before we get into the show, um, I actually personally have friends and family um, in southern Texas and near Corpus Christi, actually. So just want to say I hope everybody out there is safe and everything have they checked in on the facebook app i don't Alive think everybody well? has so i'm i'm kind of waiting a little anxiously for all my cousins i got a lot of cousins a lot yeah lot you do i haven't even so, had a tenth of them <laughs> so we just hope everybody out there is staying safe and you know when in doubt it's just stuff um and we'd rather have people than stuff Anyway. Yes, puts everything in perspective. Yes. All right, let me get our co-host in here. Don't call it a comeback. She's been here for years. The girl has 99 the girl who has 99 problems, but a sausage ain't one. Fern Hart, aka MC Milk Toast. <laughs> oh my god, that's ridiculous. Yes, a sausage ain't one. Although the sausage situation has calmed down, the sausage has taken have some to accountability. Uh, yeah, one day. One day that, that, is that sausage story is going to come out. Now as the sausage. No, no. Although I did do a uh, Facebook name thing. It was like name your Twitch it. And you take the first letter of your first name and the first letter of your last name. And my Twitch it apparently is Sausage Muncher. And I was like, yeah, that has to be a win. That's got to be a win. I tell you something. Someone else had Krusty Cave, and I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. really glad my initials didn't work out to that. Well, and you know what? MC Milk Toast here had a little bit of hurrahs on her page when she put some lyrics up. I couldn't believe it. Um, actually, people are starting to notice the moist voice. Well, you know, I don't think it was like a huge deal, but just the fact that, I mean, it is a big deal, right? Because, you know, I... I like to write poetry. It's always been something I like to write. And I got into a conversation with someone, and something came out, and I was like, you know, I just want to throw something a little bit down, and this this administration's really pissing me off, and I don't want to get too deep into politics, but I threw it out there because I felt it's important. And somebody picked it up, and they're like, hey, do you mind if I just put a little music to this and work with this? And I was like, yeah, man, that's cool. That's totally awesome. So, Have we ever a had a conversation that didn't veer somewhat into politics in some shape or form? No. Never. Have Never. I ever gone 24 and, and, hours without talking about politics? No, sometimes the conversations start with politics and go to, like, aliens and then go way down the – like existential rabbit hole that we have a hard time digging ourselves out of. Um, and sometimes it starts with something show related and then just goes to a two hour political conversation. I mean, man, we can go anywhere. It just, we flow. Although I did do a detox where for three weeks I didn't watch any news and I didn't get on any social media. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. And I was like a piece of cardboard. I didn't even know what to say. I was like, hi, I'm Nick. So, yeah, air is breathable. Yeah, and you know, three years ago, four years ago, you could have done that and picked right back up, but you go two days without watching the news these days, and you are completely freaking lost. There's like, you know, a myriad of shit that happens. Yeah, I, mean, I call look it at Trump what happens. Years. I'm like, oh yeah, well, that, that may have been a week, but that was like five seconds in Trump years, so much happening at once. Yeah, it's uh, it's a complete and utter shit storm. It's a shit tornado that just keeps rolling, man, and picking up steam. It it doesn't it doesn't run out of energy. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we are doing a special Saturday show. I know this show was supposed to be tomorrow, and we were supposed to have Dave Dichter from Millions of Dead Cops on the music show on Wednesday, which, because he just got back from Europe and lost his phone, it's going to be next Wednesday, and we were supposed to do our last musical osmosis with Odell, which is why we're having B-Squid on today on Kettle of Fish instead of musical osmosis. Uh, we were supposed to do our last one next month with Unified School District, which was um, super ugly. But now Odell's father, thankfully, is doing a lot better. He's come home. His sister, Unica, is down in North Carolina with him now, helping out the family. So now we're not going to cancel uh, Musical Osmosis. And we're bringing Funny Thing About Politics back. Fern, we've just kind of, like, at this point, we've turned into fucking guerrilla podcasting, haven't we? We're all over the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's hard to navigate, uh, you know, unforeseen circumstances. You know, with my mom having cancer, I had to go, you know, for eight weeks up to Maine, or almost eight weeks. And a few months before that, she had heart surgery. Um, you know, and with go- what's going on with Odell's dad, you know, these are all things that we just can't foresee. And scheduling conflicts, like, we totally get that our guests, you know, sometimes we need to readjust our schedule. And that's the brilliant thing about what we do is that we're able to do that and accommodate that and happy to do so. Well, that's um, one of the reasons we launched our own network because we got tired of, like, blog talk where we had to show up for an episode once scheduled or they pinged it against us. We call all the shots now. Exactly. And the sound, Danielle, has, like, done amazing things. Just want to give a little shout-out to you, Dee, because yeah, you have done credit. amazing things with our sound, with what you do, it's like completely How and utterly incredible. It's a multi-million dollar corporation, and D has given us better sound from the basement than a, this giant corporation who does podcasting as its only function. How is, how is our sound better than theirs now? Because I Google because and I'm number- willing to hit like five different buttons all at the same time. I can do that. <laughs> but you're also awesome. You oh, care. And you are extremely intelligent. Like, you know, there's something to be said for people with brains, and everybody has their own niche. Like, everybody has their own capabilities. They would have hit me with a baseball bat by now. (laughs) Yeah, but Danielle kind of, like, hits all those points. Like, she's a caring person. She's a giving person. She's an intelligent person. She's a driven person. She, you know, is motivated. She is just awesome all around. So just want to show... Shout out to you, D, because I love you, honey. You know, like a sister. Oh, it's Thank Kettle of D. We're renaming the show. <laughs> no. Um, in other news, we have lots of things coming up, and I'm a little bit excited. Just a little bit. Um, Only a little? Well, you know, it, it depends on the day, I suppose. So tomorrow, uh, we're going to have Heather Fink on, and we're doing uh, a new funny thing about politics, and that's probably going to be pretty darn funny. Um, and then the 30th, or this Wednesday, we are going to have Dave Dichter from Millions of Dead Cops going to be on. So I'm glad. I'm assuming he found his phone or it was shipped to him, and that's awesome because I would just die without mine. Well, he still doesn't have a phone, but he said he'll make it Wednesday. So we'll see. He's His life is pretty chaotic. He lives that it rough and tumble like punk rock lifestyle. Of course. So. Of course. Um, then next month we have Travis Harmon from Red State Update. Super funny show coming on the funny thing about politics. And we've also got comedian Katie Hackett coming on to join us. Um, on another musical osmosis, we have Super Ugly from Unified School District. And then our friend, humorist Dylan Brody, is coming back on the 24th. And we'll also have the mind behind Renato Jones and the 1%, which is an amazing looking um, comic book. Car uh, Andrews is going to be on. And then also, um, before that, on the 17th, from probably the creepiest one of the creepiest movies ever from the grudge we are going to have bonnie morgan who is not our first contortionist actually she's from the ring and she's just a stunt person on the ring she's the one that does the weird ring walk she was on it she was on it on what i mean she was in the movie so she she was in the movie the ring not the grudge well they're, the both of those movies to me i'm telling you they're they're both just equally as creepy and the only difference is that one makes you never want to watch a movie again and the other makes you want to call your friends and go uh, 
<laughs> I don't know which is which. I know Sarah Michelle Geller was in one or something. She was but in I don't the really watch. She was in The Grudge. Now, I refuse to watch The Ring because I'm not a big horror movie person, but I'm, I'm going to have to watch it just oh, so because. Good. And that's how devoted and so dedicated good. I am. Um, but, yeah, the, the grudge was bad enough. The ring, I've heard stories, and they're like, yeah, if you, if you ever want to watch anything on TV again, like a movie ever again, just don't watch this movie. Just like, when you're fair. done. Bring an endorsement. Yeah, I, when you're done, today? just remember. I, well, I was going to say, when you're done, just remember, it's just a movie. You won't die in seven days. It's okay. Um, today, <laughs> today we have the rapper whose song has been tumbling in my head for probably the last two weeks. I wonder why, Saucy. Um, yes, today. Because you know me, dude. When I when I check out something new, I get turned on to some new music. I played incessantly over yes. and over yes. and over yeah, again. Yeah, he, he really does. Uh, but it's all good because today we've got the super awesome Miss B Squid. Hi. Hello. Allison, are you with us? I'm here. Traveling the rough and tumble highways on the Connie Francis on your way to Burning Man, correct? That's correct. The pilgrimage has begun. <laughs> right on. Hey, I want to dig into all things B-Squid, but I have to ask, and I'm probably going to be asking everybody this week, um, where did you spend the great eclipse of 2017? What were you doing during the eclipse? I was touring during the eclipse, and I was in Oregon. Um, we made our way out to the um, Oregon eclipse gathering. It was, uh, Symbiosis kind of like super beast up for this special event, and they chose like a location specifically for, I think, the, the shadow. Um, nice. They created this amazing thing. But I wasn't there at that festival for the eclipse. We were uh, playing shows. So we were in O'Brien. And we played a show in O'Brien the night before, and then the morning after, we all woke up like just it was like something out of a thing out of a book, you know, or like it was like the witching hour of rappers who care about the stars for a second. Nice. <laughs> we all were up at like seven thirty in the morning, just without any alarms or anybody waking us up. We all got into the bus, and we started driving, and we found this airport in Oregon, pulled over. And I was like, hey, guys, we should do this on top of the bus. <laughs> so we uh, took all these cushions and blankets and pillows and uh, all, the, all the amenities up to the top of the bus. And we sat there and experienced the hell out of that eclipse. And it was epic. Nice. I was going to say, because Dee was almost at tears. We went up to this pizza joint in Knoxville, and Knoxville was right on the path. We had, like, Knoxville was one of the optimum places to watch it. And yeah. Dee was almost in tears and said it was almost a transformative experience. Was it almost transformative to, um, for you as well? I mean, I keep, I kept on hearing everybody say, like, this was this apex moment, like something crazy happened, something crazy happened. And then I realized a couple days later, my clips really, really was supremely epic. <laughs> it was a very transformative. It just took a few days to settle in because it represents so much more in my life. Um, you know, I, first of all, it happened on a new moon, which I thought was really amazing. Um, yes. You know, because you can't see that moon. And I just had written this song uh, with my cloud nine producer, Raddy Skurvix, um in New Orleans this year, while I was on the road, we, we got together and made a song, and it's called New Moon, and it's not, uh, we haven't released it yet, but I'll put it out on my next mixtape, and um, it, it's a very moving song to me, and, and everything, anyway, like, I kind of have these two careers, and I felt like this eclipse was like a very, you know, representative path of, you know, music transitioning into my life uh, in a very real way. So, kind yeah, of like the merging very, of both. Yeah, like, yes, completely. Right on. Burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, they. I was looking at, like, things that happened during Eclipse, and there's a lot of weird things that happen. Um, one thing I found very interesting is that as the moon moves across the sun, um, animals, insects, animals, they all start to think that it's becoming nighttime. And that's one thing that I noticed was that, you know, the mosquitoes started to come out, the, you know, the chirping started with the crickets. And then as the moon moved away, that kind of stopped, which is pretty cool because they think it's like morning time. So the animals actually did react to the eclipse, but there's also supposed to be like a, I've always heard you say transformative, but I heard like a rebirth, like a cleansing and a rebirth. And people who are empathic, 
Um, I'm empathic. I know Danielle's empathic and, you know, moved her to tears. I felt fatigued. Like, I felt really tired. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you have, like, empathic tendencies? Do you, like, really tend to feel a lot of things around you? And do you think that's why maybe that it affected you that way? Um, I, I do think I'm very empathic. Um, and maybe it was the <laughs> – it's funny. It got cold. You know, we were sitting there, and it got really yeah. cold all of a sudden. We went from super hot to really, really cold. And, wow. Um, and just, to, you know, because the sun was gone for a second. Um, and I feel like I was, I was around my friends, and there was this album that I've kind of been listening to on repeat a lot, and it's this, like, mix, bass nectar mixtape called Into the Sun. And I've tried to play it in, like, certain social scenarios. It doesn't always work because it's kind of intense but I was sitting there on the on the roof of the bus with these five amazing people and I was like this is it this is the moment when I can play this and nobody's going to tell me to turn it down or it's like not the right time <laughs> so nice. I turned it on and everyone was like yeah this is the thing to listen to right now this is reminding me of um, my days at the beach partaking in certain activities and everybody huddled up on the beach at night and just staring at the waves that's the kind of vibe yeah. it has to me like it was like the the six of us were like a chain link of connected energy that we just became like you know and we were on tour and usually tour is pretty like cut and dry you know you go somewhere you play a show you keep moving and I got you know the bus and everything to make to make sure that we were enjoying the journey you know that we were having a good time on the road on the way to these shows because like you're gonna spend your whole day driving to go play a show and all you're gonna do is enjoy the show you're gonna sit there all cramped and awful during the drive like no we're gonna stand up move around get work done and play music and um so you know in honor of that this is the first tour i've done with the bus um since i've taken all the seats out and made it really cozy on the inside with like the dj booth and the bench and all the stuff so it was like really it was like almost you know the (laughs) the beginning the beginning of something really phenomenal i always feel like it's the beginning though because i always I have an attitude of gratitude constantly. Nice. Well, well, let me talk about this then. And I got turned on to you by watching. We had Angela um, Golner on here. We were talking about her pilot for the Ben series. And that's where I first heard your music. And I checked out a mm-hmm. couple videos. And I was like, oh, wow. It made an instant connection with me. And I was like, I've got to reach out to Allison. I really love her stuff. Got your address from Angela. And then after I booked you, I started digging into your history and kind of the path you've taken to where you're at. And I've got to say, you've got one of the most uh, like unconventional paths into the hip-hop world that I have ever read about. <laughs> it is truly amazing to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride, you know? A while, like, it was really um, surprise. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just the way, I mean, where you came from, one, it took a lot of guts, I think, to walk away from the television industry and you used to be an aide or an assistant on quarry and banji and a couple other shows and those two shows were on cinemax and i just love the story how you got the check got the bus and kind of hit the road and kind of walked away from that life and i'm just trying to imagine how you process all that i mean you took a big gamble on yourself and i have to say at least from the outside periphery it seems like it's really paying off when i you know when i got the album and and I give a lot of credit to Corey was a really important um, time for me because we went on location for eight months. We went to New Orleans and right. it's the second time I went, went on location in New Orleans. The first time was in 2011 on a different movie with a different director. And I was so inspired by music then I just wanted to play something, anything. And it was after that, that I discovered that I could put my poetry to beats. But now, um, so then I went, again, you know, four years later to, to do the show. And when I was there, I was like, all right, I'm in new Orleans again, my most inspirational city for music. I was like, I'm going to find someone to record my music and make, and make that happen. And I had no plans of making an album. Like I did have plans, but I didn't know what that meant yet. But when I found him rat ratty, like he started recording songs that I had never gotten on recordings yet. Um, and I was just got so frustrated with them because I was like, man, like, I just want to, I don't know what I want. I, I'm tired of these songs. And so then he starts to play music with me. And it just, all of a sudden, everything came together. And it was like, 
boom. Now it's like this really healing process of like creating songs. So every time we get together, we'd like make a new song and it was always good. At the end of the day, we were like, shake hands and be like, damn, we did it again. Awesome. And, and we stopped at seven tracks and then we, we had the, then we were supposed to go, we had a little bit of time left. Um, and then we were supposed to go and finish the, those seven tracks. But I was like, Raddy, I was like, can we please do one more? And he was like, one more? And I was like, yeah. He's like, but we have so much to do with these. And I was like, please. Wow. <laughs> and, and he was like, well, okay. <laughs> and then we made the last track because it wasn't finished yet. So, but yeah, with that, with that album, I felt very empowered, you know, and I had a lot of support from my boss to get, to get, uh, you know, to go in the studio and, um, you know, he never, he always knew that that was like really on my mind and something I needed to do. And then finally, when it was all said and done, I was just touring a lot too much. You know, I needed to keep on the road and he knew that and I knew that. So it was kind of like, all right, we just had to figure out what the next step here was. And it was like, I just got to go. Well, and what's amazing, just to kind of show you some connective tissue here with Dee, is we love New Orleans. In fact, that's what we're planning on, laying our old dying bones when we retire. And we went to NOLA this past summer for my birthday to meet some friends. And Dee went to this karaoke bar and did her thing and tore it up. I mean, people nice. were just loving it. And at that moment, she's like, I know I've been talking about it for years, but that's when the decision bell went off in her head. And she was like, I'm doing American Idol, or not American Idol, but um, America's Got Talent this year. Right, Dee? Yeah. I mean, that talent really does change people. It does. It's, yeah, it's, it's so does. encouraging for all kinds of music. Like, we would go walking at like 730 in the morning and there would be music somewhere. And it was just like, ugh. It's just, I don't know. It's so just celebrated so, and yeah. incredible. That was awesome. Yeah, and it can't help but have an impact on you. And I know you've been doing this for quite a while. I mean, not a, a whole long, not a real long time, but five or six years. And even though you may seem like a newer voice, you have been at this a while. But the success has been pretty rampant and pretty rapid, I would say, really fast. Do you kind of feel like it's happening too fast? Do you feel like it's not happening fast enough? Or are you right at the tempo you want to be at for B-Squid career-wise and creatively? I believe that everything happens exactly when it's supposed to. So, like, stressing out is a choice. You know, if I want to feel like it's not happening fast enough, then I can go ahead and be upset about that. Or if I feel like it's happening too fast, I, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I don't feel like, you know, I've arrived or anything like that. I, I'm... I'm still very much, I feel like I'm very much, you know, crawling around just trying to figure out where I can find another microphone to rap on just because it's something that heals me and makes me so happy to do and something that I want to share. But, um, you know, like, I don't think, you know, I haven't like, I'm an independent artist. So I guess you could say, you know, once you have, once you have stomach to the idea of being an independent artist and that you're not trying to assign to any label or anything then you're you've already succeeded if you're just doing it i guess but but um yeah but things really did fall in place for you so do you feel like this is kind of like destiny or kismet or fate because it did seem like you went from a to b and b to c like kind of seamlessly and everything at least from me reading your story from the outside it seems like things really did fall in place it feels so cosmic the way that everything comes together um you know, and I, I have this, I have this like kind of way of, of just laying back and like, and like taking a deep breath and like not pushing too hard because I know if I'm pushing too hard, I'm going to force something and something to go wrong. But like, smart, like everything always happens for me exactly when it has to, like, it's, um, it's just like right when, right when I, you know, need it the most, I thought I needed it like a year ago, but I didn't need it yet then. So I didn't have it or get it. But then all of a sudden when everything falls out, like the bottom falls out, <laughs> then all of a sudden, like, I, you know, things just kind of, and I see it happen to me over and over again. And, and sometimes it's a little bit slower to come to fruition, but right now I'm in this, like, it was really crazy how like my job, like kind of like my job, like month that was like last June, July that I sort of stepped away from my, my assisting position and um, I bought the bus, you know, with the same, in the same breath, you know, and I don't know, like, I, I just, 
everything is just kind of coming together just where it's supposed to, because I have to work really hard. There's, um, you know, I, I work with another artist, Abstract Rude, and he does a lot of booking for shows and everything. And he's amazing at doing that. Like he could do it, just whip it right up. You know, (laughs) he's like, he's like a mastermind of of putting our tours together. And that's always my favorite way to tour because like, I, I really love being part of that scene and everything. Um, and I, but I haven't been on the road with him this entire year. Like a lot of this year, I've been just rolling by myself, kind of doing stuff. So to, to me, touring is, you know, am I in a different city with one of my favorite producers making a song or am I shooting a music video or I'm, I'm reconnecting with friends. And, and to me, that's all considerably like doing the same thing, but, um, you know, just so now it's time <laughs> for me to get some practical advice because I'm always uh-huh. running a thousand miles an hour. Um, I'm always wanting the next big great thing to happen yesterday. And it seems to me like I have to stay calm and trust a squid because D and Fern, D who I'm with, we've been together for eight years, and my best friend slash co-host Fern are always telling me just to let it happen. And I'm kind of a jackhammer, ain't I, Fern, which is trying to take on so much 24-7. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes and sometimes it's hard to focus on the, the positive because sometimes the positive is just so much smaller than the negative. But forward movement is forward movement. And like you said, everything kind of coalesces and happens for a reason. Like even the negative, like if you really look back, some of the, the horrible things or the negative things that you've gone through have led you to a more positive place. And, you know, I'm the type of person, whether it's, you know, beating some stupid level on a game or just knowing that I made my bed and did the dishes today, like I take the small wins out of life and use it as, you know, forward momentum and fuel to like really go. And it's sometimes it's a slow process. And, you know, Nick, you are a little more impatient than say Danielle or I, we tend to be a little more patient but it's what I've heard, it's all about the grind. And it's all about to just keep moving forward, keep going forward, do what you love, and it will happen. And even if it's just self-fulfillment, you know, even if you're not, like, super mad successful, you're at least getting that fulfillment and living your life in a positive manner, which is far more important than living your life I in a real know. hateful or negative place. You try to drill it into my head. Allison, how do I take a <laughs> breath? Help me out here because I'm pretty manic. Well, the thing is, is that what's really important to remember is that whatever you're reaching for, when you get there, I mean, you're there, and then what? You know what I mean? Like, the truth is, you're a reacher. You want to reach. I mean, you're reaching high, and you're grabbing something, but once you've got it grabbed, then you're just going to start reaching again. So if you could just enjoy the reaching part, then you're good. <laughs> you know, like it's like the journey, the travel, yeah. like the everything until you get there because what happens is once you get what you want who cares anymore it's like now i want something way bigger like this thing doesn't even matter anymore like i want to do this other thing so, so like, true you'll never you'll never truly be satisfied unless you can like just love what love the reach it's all about that you know like that's my advice anyway <laughs> well i'm gonna take that to heart let's talk about cloud nine we're gonna play a little bit of daredevil um, I love this song. I hope if anything ever happens to me and I pass away, somebody will have the kindness to dedicate a song to me. Tell us a little bit about Daredevil. And really, when I'm watching a video, and I want to throw this in there too. I could tell you come from the cinematic, the theatrical world, and your facial expressions to me tell a story. Like when I'm watching you in these videos, I'm like, damn, man, she is so expressive with her movements, with her facial expression. Is all of this, like, is this just classic default B-squid, how you are in, like, a normal everyday life? Or are you making a conscious effort to be so animated in these videos, and you learned that from your time in the film industry? Um, I try to... <laughs> I, so when I started playing shows, um, I had my best friend, shout out Sonia Kipperstein, my girl. She um, would take my camera and shoot me on stage, and I would look at those videos, like game tapes, right and I always looked maybe tired or asleep and that kind of annoyed me because I was like man there's so much passion coming out of me like why am I I just got to do something with my hands and my arms that's it so I learned how I how I actually like appear on camera and started to I guess go with that but but truly like it's just it's just a it's just a projection of that passion um and 
I'm not like my facial expressions. I definitely don't like force those super hard. They just kind of happen. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, it makes it interesting. It makes it almost hypnotic or like mesmerizing to watch. Because I'm watching you like in the net and abstract roots video, and I'm just like, wow, man! Like I can, like this is almost taking me there beyond the music itself. Just watching you and abstract perform, like when he's dragging a net and you could see his facial expressions. I'm like, <laughs> this is like this video doesn't have to have like James Cameron fucking money dumped into it to work. These guys are just making such expressive movements around the music it's making it look good as good as anything like some big box office producer could put out <laughs> well i so i've been doing music videos for a little while now uh basically since i've since i got into rap i started making videos for musicians um and i realized at a certain point that i you know like what the importance of directing was and everything and one of the hardest things is people like are like, oh, you're going to make your own video. And, and so to shoot and direct yourself is really difficult. So what I had to start doing was like, you know, first I, I would say I wanted somebody to direct me and then I would just put the, the directions in my own mind, you know, like what would I want to see in my editing room? Because that's the hardest uh. part. If I didn't direct it right while I'm editing, I'm so mad at myself. I kick myself like, damn it, I didn't do it. But now I can like, you know, and Abby is great because he takes direction really, really well. And he, we've worked together a bunch. So he's like, he's got, he's got his like facial expressions and his hand movements. He does the exact same thing every time. So it's like a dance movement for him. For me, it's a little bit different. I just try to make sure that I'm doing something interesting so that it will make it easier to cut. Cause I'll be like, Oh, I look so bad. And like not even want to do the video at all anymore. But yeah, like a couple. So, so this video, that video time as we think was like, we didn't have uh, much of a budget. Um, we had an artist, uh, the guy, his name is Reggie Martinez, Mad Happy. Um, he is a clothing designer and an artist and now a tattoo artist out of Bend, Oregon. And he's, um, he made that beat that we were on and um, we showed up. He wanted to know what the concept of the video was so he could like prepare. And I was usually, out, I don't know, I would show up with a camera and just like we'd figure it out there or something. Something, but he really wanted to like throw down. So I was like, okay. And I made this like whole lookbook. I took all these photos from the web. I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to mimic this Aesop's fable and we're going to do it like this because this is something I could execute with zero, you know, camera tricks. And I can even shoot myself. We're going to just, you know, something that's shocking. You're going to hang me in a tree. It'll be great. And then, uh, and then, um, he, he, prepped everything, like got the, the dress and everything that I needed ready. And then, um, the supplies to, and we actually shot that music video in that forest in North, in Oregon and three, three sisters, Oregon. And right. then we drove, we drove home, stopped in Oakland and my car got broken into and I lost all my stuff. And then oh, man. through the, through the generous, uh, the generosity of my friends, family, and fans, I was able to get together enough money to get my gear back. And I did that. We actually had to plan a whole other tour, like a couple months later, go back to Oregon, the same forest. We reshot the exact same video. Um, and I think it was better this time around because we had um, better, like, I don't know, foliage, like fall time, you know, pretty cotton floating around and stuff. But, um, and, and the camera, the camera was a little nicer too. I had a 7D before and now I was using a 5D and the photography is just so breathtaking. Um, so it came out, it came out pretty like, pretty cool for like a, you know, a quick shoot in the woods. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, like I said, it translated really well. Um, let's talk about Daredevil because I don't know who Ryan Lees is. So if you could put this in some context and then we're going to play a couple minutes of that song. When I was um, in, I don't know, elementary school. Was it elementary school? No. I, when I was in middle school, when I was in elementary school, I moved to Ohio from Michigan. And when I got to Ohio, I made some friends. And when I, one of my first friends that I made there at school in Ohio, um, there was this, this kid named Ryan Lease, and he was like full punk rocker. He would wear the, this ICP sweatshirt, and, and he was cool and whatever i don't know i just always liked the kind of weird the weird the weirder kids in school and i was new so um we had a friendship and 
I had a lot of other friends. One of our friends, actually, from that era, he ended up marrying. They were together their whole lives, and they got married. Mm-hmm. But when I, oh, wow. I moved out, I moved out to Miami, at, like, for high school and college. So we were all separated for a long time. But then I moved to California, and they were living in San Clemente. They had moved there because he was in the Marine, and he worked for Lockheed Martin. He would fix, like, airplanes um, in Afghanistan, and he was always overseas, just, you know, he was, but he was like the best. <laughs> like he was the best, the most intense, like high octane personality you ever knew. And um, and he was great. And it was like when I would go over there to hang out, he would just be like, "Oh my gosh!" He's like, "You're a rapper. This is so crazy." And he would just turn on my music and play it. And then, um, like he would talk. And then I would get like emails from Marines in Afghanistan being like, "I love your music." Like. Ryan Lee's turned me on to it. I was like, yeah, Ryan, thanks. And then one time a, a someone's daughter from Afghanistan, she hits me up and she's like, will you sign a poster and a CD and please mail it to this address? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy. And then, um, and then when I was in the process of making Cloud9, I was in New Orleans and one day I, I got, I was in the studio actually when I got the text. Right. And um, my one, one of my closest friends from that age, from younger, Tina, she hit me up and she said that he had been in a motorcycle accident. And so the next day I booked the flight and went back to, you know, see him and, you know, hope for a miracle or something like you do when somebody's on life support. And he was always so supportive. And, and with every friend that was already there, they'd be like, Oh, like, even if I hadn't met them yet or before we go way back, he and I and my other friends, but I didn't meet everybody that he knew. And they'd be like, Oh, I I do know you actually. You're B Squid. Like Ryan, the last time I saw him, like he like said, "Wait, but before we talk about anything, have you heard about B Squid?" And like stop the presses and turn on the music videos and make them become. You know, I thought that was just like the nicest thing. And I'm hearing. Well, it's amazing though that you touch somebody in that way too. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's going out in the world and leaving a legacy and knowing you put more good in this world than when you arrived here, right? I mean. I just, that was not expected. You know what I mean? To have so much support from it. And he actually came, a bunch of my friends, those, that crew, uh, Tina, Lynn, Ryan, um, and my friend Terry, they all came to one of my first shows to support me. Like, it was like my second or third. We had this like big sleepover at my house. So it was like this drunken, crazy, awesome night of, you know, reunion from middle school. <laughs> um, but yeah, he moved me a lot. So when I was there, I took all my new tracks, I put them on, my i my iPod or whatever, and I put the earbuds in in his head, and I played him all my new songs <laughs> while his body was still alive. Just I don't know to put the energy. Wow, there. that's and, intense. Uh, and then I sat there writing for the rest of the, my time there. I spent like two nights in the hospital before I went back to my job in New Orleans, and I wrote the song. And then when as soon as I got back, I don't know what what it was, but I got into the studio and I said to Raddy, I was like, Raddy, I feel like kind of doing like a like a punk song, and he was like okay and then came out daredevil and then by the end of you know two three hours later we had the track and it was pretty amazing so now i'm you know i play that at shows and it's really um it's a really great way to honor him and to just keep keep it grounded you know i mean like you can you could do anything in life but if you're when you're when i'm doing that song i'm really just the memory you know i i don't know but it's a He's testimony, a, right? It's more of a fire and a yeah. passion when you're doing it, not exactly. like I'm going to break down and cry in the middle of this. this it's is a sad celebration of his life. A celebration. What it was, though, what it was, though, is like when I was at that hospital, his wife, Lynn, she was like beaming with this weird positivity. And, and I was like, I didn't know how to take that at first. She was so sweet and so kind. That's who she is as a person. She's amazing. She's an amazing human being, the nicest person in the world. But his mom, too, they were like, they were like, it seemed like they were happy, like not happy, but you know what I mean? Like at peace, they were happy to see everybody happy to, uh, happy for other reasons. So it was a, a life celebration. It was not like a morning. It was crazy. It was, in, it was like you get to somebody's deathbed and you feel like you're going to see everybody's going to be crying and like killing themselves and stuff. But it was like this beautiful, beautiful reception of like him into his afterlife and, Oh gosh, I can't even tell you. Like he's such a great guy that 
even like I, I think like in his uh, in his death, you know, they were like, you would want us to have a party, not to have a freaking funeral. Like, <laughs> yes. So I tell yeah, that I, all the you, time. Right? You know, I, listening to you though, you you are like so appreciative of everything. You're appreciative of your friends. You're appreciative of your support. You're appreciative of your following. You're appreciative of your experience. And it sounds like you know this friend was very similar, and his family is very similar. So you know, I can definitely see where that connection would be made. And I think it's a great outlook to have, you know, to to, to give that gift of hey, check this music out, or you know, hey, I really appreciate you. Like you are very down earth and very um, centered as far as happy centered not angry centered very happiness centered very appreciation centered very life centered and I think that translates through that relationship from what I can hear I think it's awesome oh thank you I agree something's really crazy that his birthday is um, a day apart from mine and the day that he died was a a day apart from my mother's birthday isn't that crazy Wow. That's the worst lining up. Dee, but what Seriously. I always tell you, I want a party. I want to be like the end of Andy Kaufman's <laughs> movie, like a celebration. I think that's a beautiful thing, right, Dee? Absolutely. I'm going to have to plan a big, giant party. It'll be oh, great. everything's a party <laughs> to me. All right, Dee, let's play some Daredevil. We're only going to play a couple minutes of it because we got to get out of here in a couple minutes anyways. So let's play a couple minutes of Daredevil, then I want to come back and talk about Cloud Nine. Awesome. of the tunnel careful you don't give it trouble i hope you didn't have too many plans hit stop and won't play again your imprint is the letter on the alphabet family the band hold the feather in a straw hat like the scarecrow wishing for a brain you click them kicks in the face of your pain you were the hunter that fixed all the cars so every last soldier could gather their stars you were the brother your brother's regard you were your mother with edges so hard you were the father to all values deep from your big heart to your healthy kidneys you were the chaos that restored the peace and wheels of change you were the grease you were the hounds who never were leashed a man of militia but fuck the police you find the famine and feed it a feast. First name is Ryan, last name is Lise. Rest in peace. Titanium robot arms Start to take credit when neurons are firing Looks like you're breathing fine, just fine it Looks like you're sleeping So sound, a steady drip of light to keep the warming up and on Webs of tubes never strapped you down Your energy, the battery that keeps the lights on This was the only way You'd have gone three coasts of family flow in my roots You tied the lace between two of the boots None come correct on your grand anecdotes s render rings in the base of this oak Day one channeled through my heart at pen Day two suffered news at sessions end Day three took the soonest light to my friends Said goodnight with a heavy head Day four closure, earbuds and head Fill the skull with music like Grateful Dead I dwell in a spell, nerves getting on themselves The last one buzzing like an unhinged bell Can't sit still, don't know where I should be Face to face, reface a great reality You're gone, yeah, gone, you're the worst kind of gone Forever looking back like the same old song Energy, endless, incredible Volume crank to max decibel Chooser, includer, wounder, who sees yet Realist, a shooter, who aim for the future Restless investor, and life's worst endeavor Legacy stays for the rest of forever Celebrate fast to your highest level Good night for all time to Mighty Daredevil Rest in peace. Amazing song. And I've got to tell you, before I even started researching you, Allison, I knew you had punk rock kind of encoded on your DNA. And when you're talking about the punk rock scene, and I'm from the punk rock scene. I played in punk bands for years, uh, promoted punk bands, the whole nine yards. How much of that outspoken, like politically aware, socially conscious DIY attitude plays into kind of how you maneuver now through the hip hop world? Oh man, um, good question. Um, I, you know, I don't. Uh, the way that I make vu- music videos, I think, is very. I have a very punk rock style about how I make music videos. I just, I really go with the flow, and I don't worry about even though I've, you know, come from a background of working on million dollar movies and stuff, like I don't really worry about having a budget because I think it's stupid. <laughs> I think it, I don't like music videos that look too polished because they, they offend me. I'm like, you put all that money into that music video. I mean, yeah, we're tender souls on that. I have a total, like, you know, screw the man attitude about the way that I make music videos. And, and I just try to own that. And that's why, 
you know, that one, I made that music video for uh, Ryan Lee's, like, you know, just stomping around my own neighborhood, like, literally with a friend and a camera. And, and that's how I make a lot of my videos. And I try to just, like, push it so that it's just coming from my, you know, from my eye and my heart and my rhythm to, to make a good video out of it. But, um, and, like, also, I don't know, just rap in general was, was also, like, a, you know, you know, screw what you think, like, kind of a thing, like, because I never listened to hip-hop growing up as much as a lot of the people that I roll with now do, you know, and um, and I, I find that to be, like, I found hip-hop gave me a voice, and I was really scared at first to use it, you know, but I realized that this is where my voice lives, like, I've been working in film and like writing screenplays and trying to make shorts and nobody cares. Nobody wants to know about it. Nobody cares. Like, but then when I started doing hip hop, it was like everything changed. So I, I really felt like that was, you know, that's kind of a, right. Because but from the punk world though, how does the politics, I mean, especially in the politically charged toxic environment we're in now, how are no politics seeping into your lyrics? Because that seems like such a – and I listen to a lot of um, Venny Pez and Immortal Technique and Army of the Pharaoh, and I listen to a lot of politically charged hip-hop because I think they've kind of carried on the banner where punk has really dropped it over the last 10 or 15 years. How is the political not seeping into your lyrics? Um, I think that it's just because, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on the struggle, you know, and I think that the struggle itself speaks to what's happening in this. It's like a, it's a very micro vision of, um, of what's happening politically. Like, for example, just to be a female, you know, doing what I'm doing, um, is, I mean, and anything that I'm doing, I, I, I guess it's, there's been a lot of times when I felt like I can't get people to work with me and it's because they don't take me seriously as a woman. And, um, and like, you know, any guy could just like rile up the troops and like do it. And like, I have to like lose friendships over it because like, it's a real fight for me to like get things to go the way that sometimes, you know, and then also like, I'm not always, you know, like people don't always want to pay you they want to be nurtured and loved and like I'm very quick to do that I, I'm very quick to like kind of give my give my uh, art and my whatever I can into a thing and just be like don't pay me for it uh, but like at the same time it's like you know you end up being a totally broke person that way and, and that's a thing underpayment um, and I think anyway things like this like they really come across just because that's my own personal struggle and like <laughs> I remember uh, there was a moment when, when Abby was like, you know, Hillary's about to be president. It's going to be a great world for women. And, and then that didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, it really takes the wind out of your fucking sails. Election kinda, night. Yeah, kind of does. And I feel like I have a, you know, my, just the way that I see the world, my perspective is that um, every, and from what I've noticed in all the jobs that I've ever worked is that the happiness of the people that are around you, who at whatever level we're at in this hierarchy, this tier, whatever tier we're on, it all comes from the very top person in that pyramid triangle. So, like, so if I'm on a production, is the director happy? If the director's unhappy, like, the PAs are fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, with each other. Um, but if the director's happy, like, everybody's, like, walking around bubbling and, like, hey, wow. stay on set, you know? And it's, it's, like, nobody even notices this vibration, or people do, but I think I do. I'm on a very, like, on a very connected level, like I watch it and like, on a, you know, and I've seen it in so many different scenarios um, and that I feel like this presidency is a, you know, this is like, it's a sad thing that we have somebody so disgruntled and so uh, in the top and like in that chair, because that's just sending negative vibrations down throughout all of us. And, you know, what that means to me is that when we're able to replace him when that, you know, day comes, it'll be a breeding ground for a much more positive energy. Something really special will happen after that. You know, like if we don't get burned down in this whole uh, mess, of course. Wow. We'll, Thousand we'll have, we'll hours of political discourse, Fern. And that is one of the most astute metaphors I've ever heard for a current political uh, administration. Right, Fern? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely true. 
It, it really is. And, you know, I was thinking when you said, you know, it takes the wind out of your sails. I mean, having Hillary lose, I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for either one of them. But, you know, having Trump win over Hillary is like the difference between, you know, it would have been different if it was someone else, right? Like that's the difference of watching a ship go down with cargo or a ship go down with like a thousand people on it. And I feel like Trump it's was like, that ship like, with a thousand people, you know? It's like, am I allergic to bananas? Or would I rather elect rotten apples? <laughs> right, I mean, like, exactly. You can't, it, it, you can't eat these bananas you're allergic to, but these rotten apples, they come with, like, worms and bugs and mold. Ooh. So, I mean, yeah, and, you know, listening to your music, I mean, this, it, it, I don't know if you meant it to be political, but, you know, you can take it into a political context and tip me over. You know, you say life is a film and it will wash off if you take too long a shower. And then to dream the best that's yet to come is the best you're blessed with now. I mean, these are, these are positive things, and, and you have to kind of keep that positive mentality through this political climate because you're kind of stuck, and you've just got to figure out how to grab the good and move forward versus, like, harp on the bat. And it is bad. It's, it's a well, lot of bad going on. what do I always say? On. The biggest act of rebellion in this administration you can do is live well and be happy. There's no great yeah. act of rebellion against these That's fucking true. Nazis and alt-right lunatic assholes than to be happy because they hate that. They see people happy and they're like, like waving their fists like some old man on his lawn, screaming at kids. I mean, it's like once you start, once you once you start playing into the debates and the arguments and the heat and all that, it's like you're just fueling the fire with your own energy. And, and I'd rather spend my energy like you know providing a, a special experience, but. People could get away from all of that ugly fire, you know, and come yeah. burn it, you know, like yeah. with our own fire, you know. It's a battle we all have. Okay, we got a couple minutes left. I've got to talk about the new album, Cloud Nine. Okay. Um, the thing that strikes me is if you go to your SoundCloud, you have so much content. How do you decide what's going on this album? Or did you just kind of go in the studio and just make this album from scratch and kind of disregard any of your older stuff? Um, I so. We made this from scratch. I consider this to be my first album. The other project that I have, uh, Squid Hop, the mixtape, uh, right. I refer to that as my starter kit <laughs> because that was me learning how to add poetry to beats. And so I would take beats that I could find and then beats that were like given to me. Actually, my sister made some of them. Um, and, we, and, I, and I basically recorded them. I designed them for stage performances because that was what I was doing. And I wasn't really happy with them as, like, recordings um, ever. But now, but then when I went into the studio and made Cloud9, I made it with Raddy from scratch. And he is, he is a genius. He is a musical genius. He can play. He would go, okay, so here's the process. We'd talk for, I'd go to the studio. We'd talk for about 20 minutes about whatever we were going through. Because he was going okay. through a thing. I was, I was going through a thing. We'd just talk about it. Get it off our chest. And be like, hey, man, you want to make a song? <laughs> and then we'd, like, pick a tempo, like, pick the drums, whatever. And then he would just start. And once we had the tempo and the drums right, which did not take us very long usually because it was just, like, our heartbeat at that moment, like, our life beat, he would just start, like, going into his little room with, like, a different instrument. <laughs> like, just the, the memory of it in my peripheral vision of him, like, grabbing, like, a like a cookie tin thing or like a shaker or like a upright base, <laughs> you know, everything he would just walk into the room and start adding layer on top of layer on top of layer and like making this gorgeous music and all while, all the while I'm sitting there just like trying to like write a track, like trying to write some verses. You know? Do you have so like, like notebooks of material? Like you see an eight mile where you're constantly writing or do you get in and fill the music and go, now I'm going to just kind of freestyle on what I hear and then tighten it up. A lot of times, what I'll do, and I like I like this process. I write a lot outside of it. I write in books. I write on my phone. I write in my notes and everything. Um, but when I'm in the studio, I get into the track first by um, I'll look over my notes and see if I have anything that fits, and I'll just be like, nah, none of this works. I'll write something original. I'll get through like a verse, maybe a hook, whatever, and then I'll go back through my stuff and find one of my newer writings and be like, oh yes, this fits perfectly, and it gives it such depth to have me write my writing from two different days and emotions and, and inspirations. So I'll end up with this, like to me in the way that I hear it, it, it has like different, a lot of different feeling to it. Um, so from the beginning to the end, like these, 
the writings are like, for example, in Daredevil, I wrote those first two verses in the studio. And then the last, wait, the last, no, I wrote those first two verses in the hospital. And then that last verse I wrote in the studio. And, um, but more times than not, the music is kind of directing you. We would direct each other. You know, we really vibed together. Like that's the, the whole thing is that, you know, that was like why the, the, like I say, the, the therapy session that we would have in the beginning of our, our session was like so gotcha. important because it would, it would be our own way of like kind of cosmically getting onto the same level. And then we, we had a really great uh, connection there. So he would be able to just, you know, so we were still on the same page. And so after we made cloud nine and then we met up again this year to make new moon, that new song that I mentioned before, like, I was like, man, we made cloud nine. It was so great. It all worked together. I was like, do we have another one in us? Can we do this? And like in a day we have this amazing song and I just like, uh, I think it's only going to get better. I'm dying to get back into the studio with Raddy. Um, hopefully I could do like a month with him at some point, like this year, maybe I'd like, November, I don't know, sometime. And we but would Cloud really 9 like, especially... hasn't been out that long, and you just came out with your third video for Tip Me Over. That just got released yesterday or the day before. I mean, it seems like you are really working at a frantic pace. That's three videos in less than a year. Well, and I'll have, um, and that Cloud 9, that 360 for Tip Me Over is the first of like six or seven that I'm about to roll out. Um, wow. 360 I love videos. Because I, I built I my, it. it's great. I built my, Oh, thank you. Um, I I turned my whole apartment into that cloud environment, and I just tried to shoot different, like, 360 experiments within it uh, for different songs, and they kind of came out really cool, so I'm so excited to share them. But I do want to have something fresh to put out because um, that has been out now since November, which means it's almost, you know, it's it's getting up to, like, a year old. Um, So if I can at least put out, like, an EP, you know, a short, like, I have, like, five songs that I want to put out, and they're, they're cool and that'll be really awesome. And I'll have something new to play on tour and everything. Um, that's amazing. But you got to work on this stuff because it takes so long to finish certain things. Everybody has a different schedule and we're so rogue about how we roll. You know, it's like you're coordinating. I'm here coordinating with Raddy Skirvix who lives in a different time zone, in a different city. And he's like doing musicals constantly and all this other stuff, production work and like he's a very busy composer like the fact that he even makes time for me is amazing um all my producers are the same way dj bless in out of el paso he's been working with me on my new project and um we've got you know i've got about five tracks ready to go for that and i'm really excited to put out this new mixtape which will be like the connie blue mixtape um like songs from the road Man, to have um, that fire, Fern, to be young and have that fire, because I'm, you know, I'm 46, my musical days are over, so I kind of like getting on air and exposing the masses to people that in- still inspire me, and you do inspire me, Allison, by the way, I listen, your music helped me through being having the flu yesterday at work, and I was like, wow, man, this kicks ass, but Fern, <laughs> awesome. to be young again and just have that fire, I mean, it's just, it's so weird how we move through these different kind of, um, transitions or segments of our life well what's really incredible is you know a lot of the guests that we have on and ourselves included you know we start in one place and then transition and transcend through other areas you know i mean i started as you know in landscaping and moved to optical and then to you know um, stay at home mommy and now podcasting and now you know, writing is something that I've always loved to do and just did just because if I have to get it out, I just got to get it out. Um, and, you know, a lot of our guests, uh, you know, they start in one place but end up in another. And that's, that's a drive to, like, better yourself, to give more, to be positive. And I just want to, on a side note, I know it's a little off subject, but I just want to point out the fact that not only do we have B Squid, who is amazing and awesome and generous and you're just great. You're absolutely down to earth and I love, I love, love, love what you do. We have B Squid, but we've also had the AGT talent, the 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 children's book author, the illustrator of our logo, and the amazing dancing pumpkin, Matt Geiler, who also throws some rhymes down. And I think come Halloween, if we could make it happen, I'd love to see a squid pumpkin wrap-off. That would be kind of cool. Could the universe handle awesome. it? Could the universe <laughs> handle pumpkin versus squid? 
I don't know, but I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> All righty. It's past the zero hour. We've got to get out of here. Allison, you are an absolute delight. I want to thank you for calling in today, taking time out of your busy schedule. Why don't you tell everybody where you're performing this week? And I know you're heading towards Burning Man and where everybody can find you on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me on the interwebs at www.bsquidmusic.com. Um, my album is there. My socials are there. If you want to just look me up on the thing, you could do at bsquidvicious. Um, nice. And then, <laughs> yeah, so we'll throw back for you. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I'll be performing this week at Burning Man uh, at many places, uh, with my face obscured, and you probably won't know it's me until you hear the sounds, so there's that. Um, but do be on the lookout for these new videos. I just put out the 360 for Tip Me Over like a couple of days ago. It was a, um, I just, I was actually a little nervous about releasing it because I didn't know how it was going to be perceived, but um, it's there. And, and well, I all the YouTube know- comments are glowing about it. I didn't see any negative comments on the YouTube. Oh, nice. Well, um, it's in 360. I didn't know if it was going to be easy for people to see it in 360s, like without me explaining it. Like, now you have to make sure you use the YouTube app and then move your phone around and make sure you can see it. Like, in the, or the view is actually really cool if you're watching it right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so anyway, there's that. And then there's going to be a bunch more of those coming on the way soon. And then, um, so we're going to, I'm going to have, another tour coming up probably in October. So be on the lookout for more dates for that. Are you getting out of the country yet? Are you still pretty much stuck in a continental U S or are you able to make Um, it out of the country? I can, I can go anywhere. I was just in London with my sister. She just had a baby. Um, she's a, she's a producer as well. So it's, it was really fun to be there for her and everything. So I got introduced to the grime scene and like the UK underground hip hop scene, which is like really cool. Um, I didn't actually perform while I was out there, but I did, I did get that general like knowledge and now I'm, uh, I'm like revving up to go back and I know that it's just going to happen soon. Maybe, maybe next year, maybe next summer, maybe, and maybe sooner, who knows, but I'm really yeah. excited about whatever it is that's on the way. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that scene out there. Right on. All righty, guys. We've (laughs) got to get out of here. Very safe travels to you, my friend. And thank you very much for calling in. This was a true treat. Thank you guys so, so, so much for having me. And uh, and I just wanted to say thanks to Angela for for using Cloud9 in her project because I feel like a very, very privileged human being to have been able to be part of that. Uh, yeah, that was an incredible message. project, and like I said, yeah. that project turned me on to you, and you turned me on to Abstract um, Rude, and the wheel keeps on turning, right? Yep, indeed. All righty, we'll end on that. Um, Fern, do you want to tell everybody where they can find today's archive when we get it up, along with dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of other awesome and intriguing shows? Oh, yes. If you're listening live, then you have just had the treat of B-Squid, and we will have that archive up later on TinCan.media. Along wait, wait, TinCanMedia.com? No, we, it's not that complicated. TinCan.media. We're unique. We're simple. You'll love us. There's something for, for everyone. There's comedy. There's music. There's consumable nonsense. There's life is hard. There's tons and tons for everybody on TinCan. Dot media plus our kettle of fish archives, which, if I say so myself and yourself and D self, it rocks. Yes, and we're putting up content. Um, we've got a six or seven different podcaster vodcasters, so we're putting up content two and three times a week now. So I think we got a pretty good groove going right now at TinCan.media. Yeah, you can binge listen to TinCan.media instead of binge watch Netflix, and you'll probably get a lot more out of it. All right, guys, let's get out of here. We are going to play some more B-Squid on the way out the door. And we will see you guys um, in two weeks. We're off next weekend for Labor Day. We'll see you in two weeks with Katie Hackett.
color Sun is setting on the hope Dark and scuddy cover Attention to the beaming Flame got me steaming Hope is growing in the heart Fast as light speeding Drive away, leave me Wondering, reeling Mixed up feelings Sad, unyielding Each touch bleeding He don't need me Volume blasting Now retreating Even though I wanna trust Baby, you know I must Locate solace in the lust Call it love before it crusts Yeah I know the words are true Cause so bad I want them to Be the culture in my crew Nah I am stuck for all my days, hopelessly I'm in a daze My love it never pays, to pretend I know the way To a final resting place, 115 I bump the pace Toward a senatorial oh, race oh, oh, oh. Why the radio silence, dear? We're here, I'm 